0: Welcome to the Illuminate Podcast, where we let light shine out of darkness, with your host, Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist.
1: Welcome back to the Illuminate Podcast. Today, we are going to cover part two of the therapeutic disclosure discussion I've had with Janine and Naomi from the Worth Group. Again, this is a little bit different format where I'm the guest and I'm being interviewed on someone else's podcast, and they were kind enough to let me share it with you here on the Illuminate podcast. This is the second part, so if you want to listen to the first part, go back to the previous episode and you can catch it there. It builds on uh, what we're going to talk about today, so I want to make sure that you're up to speed on that. Disclosure is such a delicate topic, it's such a difficult thing, and it's critical for couples who are wanting to heal from the impact of pornography addiction, sexual addiction, and all the resultant betrayal trauma. It's a scary thing to do, but it's essential for healing. And most couples, we're talking like 90% plus that do it are glad they did. So definitely worth looking into and doing and committing to if uh, you want to have a thorough healing process and rebuild trust in your relationship. So I'm going to jump right in and share with you part two of the interview with Janine and Naomi from the Worth Group.
2: Welcome back to Healing with Worth. Today, we are going to finish up our interview with Jeff Stewart. It was a longer interview, so we felt like we needed to find a good dividing place, and this is kind of where we felt it was. So we're going to pick up the second half of the interview, and we're going to start kind of talking about what things might hold up a full disclosure. Now, this episode, as I'm sure the last episode, has a lot of great information. So this is your heads up to go get your paper and pen ready to take some notes, because you're going to love it. So. Here is the episode. So here's a question for you too. Aside from having the disclosure, like having all the information piece of the disclosure, like writing everything out, is there anything that would hold up a full disclosure in terms of his behaviors? Are there behaviors that you would say these things can't be present if we're going to do this full disclosure?
1: Yeah, first of all, any abusive behavior Like, absolutely no way. I mean, keeping secrets is abusive, I get it, right? But we're working toward resolving that. But if there's any type of verbal abuse, emotional abuse, spiritual abuse, sexual abuse, any of the abuses, then absolutely not. Because you're you're asking her to go into a really vulnerable place with him, and he's got to have his heart right to do this. He's got to be in a place where he's not being strong-armed into giving this disclosure. And again, if he's not willing to go into that soft place and he's not willing to give up the blame and the the gaslighting and the manipulation and the ongoing abusive behaviors, then that's her disclosure. That's the truth of where he's at and what's really going on in her relationship has now been revealed. She doesn't need to sit down and have a therapist or have him tell her all that stuff. She's living it. So those behaviors have to be out of the room. The disclosures only work for reconciliation. They only work for at least in a couple's context. They only work to bring unity and and healing and trust. And if he's actively breaking trust all the time, she's not going to have a good experience in that disclosure. It's going to be traumatic for her. So obviously, if there's like active... And the therapist, obviously, somebody can lie and still be acting out in their addiction or acting out in in all these harmful ways and still go in and do a disclosure, right? I've seen it all. But you do want to make sure that there's not like Active acting out. So yeah, if, if somebody comes in and they're, you know, day one of their first appointment and they're just like, yeah, I'm still in the middle of acting out. I'm not stopping. You'd want to have some sobriety. You'd want to have some, cause otherwise they're going to be in so much denial still that you're not going to really get a lot of good information about, it. they're not going to be able to see the truth because they're still lying to themselves. And so it's hard because you might do an initial disclosure and just say something like, I'm going to acknowledge to her that I'm I'm actively looking at pornography right now or I'm you know I'm leaving this affair or whatever the acting out behaviors might be but I need some distance some time some space to do some work and have some sobriety and just kind of stop the bleeding and just stabilize things enough then I can go into my story. So sometimes you know from the start of treatment you might not start the disclosure for 6 months in until there's been some stability. And again, it's so much to ask for the wife. It's so much to ask I just have tremendous respect for any woman who just holds on through this process. And a lot of women feel like they're sitting ducks or they feel like they're just morons for staying in this. And you know, what am I doing? And I, I just say none of that's true. You're not an idiot for doing this. You're not an idiot for sticking with this and looking at it. You have very deep and personal reasons for giving this a chance. And you can always walk away if you need to, but. I respect your desire to like really make sure that if there's a chance for healing that you'll extend that. And it's an act of grace and compassion that I believe guys who are in deep good recovery eventually see and embrace and are grateful for. So ladies, if you're hanging in there and you think you're losing your mind with it, it is a lot to ask. And I can just tell you, I see that and I recognize that. And if it just feels like you're just walking through the fire, you are. It's a lot. But You want to make sure that there's stability in recovery before you get the disclosure, because otherwise what you're going to get is you're going to get a bunch of excuses and denial and shame. You're just going to get someone who's not fully separated himself from his behavior yet. He's still very much identifying with you know, either just the lies and he's self-deceiving, or he just still thinks he's such a horrible person and his disclosure is just going to be Basically, him telling you how awful he is and you having to take care of him in there. You don't want that. He needs to have enough grounding and stability to come in there and be able to face his story without getting reactive. So yeah, any behaviors that would keep him in that reactive state, addiction, abusive behaviors, not healthy. I would also add that if you're contemplating divorce or that process has already been initiated, you'll generally have the therapist or attorneys discourage disclosure. Because a lot of the times it's now sort of like turned into a legal battle, right? It's like you're not gonna, anything you say can or will be used against you in a court of law type of thing. And so a lot of the times some women will feel like, well, I know I'm not gonna stay with him, but I wanna know exactly what he did. Well, if you know enough to not wanna stay with him, that sometimes just may be all you get to know. If it's that bad and and you know enough to be done, you'll just probably have to surrender that because you probably won't hear a disclosure. But it is fair to say, I don't know what I want to do and I'm going to give it enough time so that I can see exactly what I'm dealing with. And I expect him to be fully honest and I can't give you any guarantees that I'll stay with you. That's the vulnerability he has to accept in the same way she has to accept that, you know, she's going to possibly be lied to again. And so everybody's having to sit with a lot of uncertainty. And that's just the nature of the beast here with disclosure. So it's very fair for her to say, I don't know what I'll do with it, but I expect you to be fully accountable and fully honest. And when he's willing to put it all on the line, the research shows that, you know, over 90% of people who complete like a full therapeutic disclosure end up staying together. I mean, it's, it's an act of healing. It's a gesture of, of contrition, of humility, of, you know, trying to rebuild trust and it's worth doing. But yeah, those are the contraindications. Those are the things that, that uh, get in the way big time. Yeah.
2: So in the case that you have somebody who, Like a wife, for example, who asks for a full disclosure and then their therapist is refusing, saying it's not a good idea. Or you have leadership, maybe a bishop or somebody saying, that's a terrible idea, don't do it. How would you address that? Or what advice would you give a woman to address that?
1: Well, if she's got a therapist she's working with, hopefully that therapist can back her up and be an advocate and hopefully educate the church leader or the other therapist. There's lots of great books and resources on disclosure. There's lots of research on it. There's no reason that these materials or these resources can't be made available to a professional or to a church leader to understand the nature of it. In my experience, most bishops that I've worked with over the years are supportive of disclosure. Where they get hung up though is how much should be disclosed, right? That's for them. It's more of an issue of degree, which, you know, in all fairness makes sense because what might be told to them for spiritual healing, would probably not need to be as detailed as what would need to be told to a therapist or a spouse. The decisions that a church leader would need to make based on membership, worthiness, participation, you can do headlines with that, right? You can do categories. And that's generally enough. And it really should probably only be that because bishops aren't therapists and it's not their job to dig into those details. It's just not it's not wise, it's not supportive, and it can usually make things worse. And so if you've got a bishop who's saying that, you know, she can say, "I respect like you needed to know what you need to know, but I need to know what I need to know." Because not that she would say this next part I'm going to say, but in her heart, she can know I'm the one putting my life in this guy's hands. I'm the one going to bed with him at night. I'm the one that's you know making eternal covenants with him. I'm the one that's putting everything in this basket. And so, you know, yeah, you don't need to know as much as I do.
0: I love that language. <laughs> That's really, really helpful because I think that can be a real struggle for women when they have contact with ecclesiastical leaders.
2: Yeah, to feel like you have a voice to say that, or to even believe that. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I, you know, I've been a bishop, and I, I have a lot of compassion for bishops. It's funny; I was a lot harder on bishops before I became one, and so I definitely understand how complicated it is, and. How it seems so black and white from, you know, from the bleachers, you know, when you're just watching it from a distance, it's not that clear. There's a lot of factors involved, but one thing I do know is that there should be a confession of some kind. So if there is a bishop that's saying, don't tell anything to a wife, I personally believe that that's abusive. I think that plays into the control. And I think that that's about that own bishop's fears about not knowing how to manage the situation. And I think it takes a courageous woman and or other advocates to just expect there to be a confession. And if there's that kind of enabling, as tragic as that may be, and I've seen it happen, that has to be confronted and that has to be challenged. And that may just be ignorance on the part of the bishop. But I believe any bishop who privileges lies in darkness, that is not an inspired move. That to me is absolutely wrong. I cannot think of any times where that would be a good decision. When it comes at her expense of knowing the truth.
0: You know, I really, really appreciate you saying that because I feel like the bishop that my husband dealt with prior to our marriage with his sexual indiscretions, his sexual acting out behaviors, and his sexual relationships were kept in the dark by advice that his bishop gave him in regards to never having to speak about this issue again and I really didn't feel like that was appropriate advice counsel to him you know that it would require him to you know share with someone he was going to be in a relationship with it was going to require disclosure you know that was going to be a part of you know bringing that piece of him to the table so that she could you know make a decision in light rather absolutely than. and so I really, absolutely. really you saying that's very validating for me and my own experience. And I'm sure that it it applies to many of the other women who are listening as well, who've been in this situation Or bishops are just not giving really wise counsel about this.
1: Yeah, a lot of it's just a lack of education about understanding the purpose of a disclosure and how that can be helpful to her. And sometimes they, I believe that there's a confusion about The scriptures and the whole idea of, you know, the Lord will forget or the Lord won't remember them kind of stuff. And, and this is not about shaming or punishing the person who struggled or dragging up their sins or trying to make them reconfess everything. It's really about understanding patterns and how profoundly sexual sin affects people's thinking and their view of women and their relationships and their own ability to manage emotions. And when there's been patterns and serious indiscretions, that really can change the course of a relationship if they show back up again. I think it's really important to just be honest about that. And I believe if somebody has truly repented of that, like Alma the Younger, they have no problem talking about it. They're not going to hide that. To me, it's like pulling a Carfax on a used car. It's like most of us wouldn't think about buying a car without having some sort of vehicle history. We just would want to understand, has this thing been damaged, is the frame bent? We want to understand. What it's been through, because our safety is on the line here. Is this are the whale's going to fall off of this thing once we put it up to speed? I would want to know, you know. And a lot of women will say this: like, man, we could have dealt with it when we were first married or engaged. If I had known that you had had, you know, fifty sexual encounters in high school, like, and that you had this these expectations, and I don't discover it till the honeymoon or you end up having affairs or whatever like i had no idea well i i'd repented of it i took care of it and they told me not to talk about it ever again well those are some pretty big patterns that never were addressed and so i'm a big fan of of full disclosure in a dating relationship or engagement i should say i think dating is you know it's hard to define once you're engaged and you're committing to someone and then certainly after marriage you got to know you got to know what you're dealing with Otherwise, you can't make decisions about the relationship. And I'll just say one more thing about that. I think it's also really difficult for the person with the secrets to ever fully feel loved. If they're holding on to these secrets, and they have this view of themselves that, you know, that if anybody knew this about me, they wouldn't love me. And every time she wraps her arms around him and says, I'm the luckiest woman in the world. I'm so grateful I'm married to you. You're an incredible man. And inside, he's just like, Yeah, I mean, you know, if you really knew this piece of me that I didn't tell you about my high school years, you would never say that. And so then he ends up blocking that. And I believe then ends up making him more vulnerable to go mood alter with that in some form of acting out because it's unmanageable. So the secrets are really opening up about the secrecy is freedom and allows you to receive intimacy, really allows you to receive love, which is what we all need and it's not only just for her benefit, it's for his too.
0: I could not agree with you more yeah. with that. So yeah, one I... the questions, at least that I would like to ask is that, you know, you've been given a full disclosure, he's sexually sober, but things are just not progressing in the relationship. What might a woman be aware of in these situations? Because I hear it quite often how women, you know, have kind of gone down this road of disclosure He's sexually sober, but things are not really progressing in the relationship.
1: Yeah, I see that too. It's so painful. So a couple of thoughts on that. One is that you may not have gotten a full disclosure. Let's just put that out there, right? There, he still may be sitting on secrets. And so you have to really go back and look, how was it done? Was there enough time? Was there enough support? Was the disclosure just like a weekend you know, hash out session? Was it something that, you know, did you do all the work to have to get all the answers, right? Like when we talk about full therapeutic disclosure, we're talking about a disclosure that is guided by a therapist that is slowed down, that has guidance and support that where there's questions being asked and where the person with the addiction or the acting out behaviors, the person who's been unfaithful, they are the ones that are driving the discussion. They're the ones that are bringing everything to the partner. Any other disclosure that's driven by the betrayed partner, to me, is not a good disclosure. She might learn some information, but what she's really learning is that she'll never know if she has the full truth. That's what she's learning. She'll learn that she probably always has to ask the right questions or catch him or other things like that. And so a full therapeutic disclosure protects that part of it. So Jeannie, you're asking, like what could be missing? Well, look at the kind of disclosure you got. Do you need to go back and redo it with the right supports in place. Another possibility could be that, so there might be more secrets is my point, but maybe there's not more secrets. Maybe, you know, he shared all this stuff and he believes that his recovery is done now. Maybe he believes that this event of disclosure is the end of the road. Well, I've told you everything. And so, you know, you don't need anything else from me. You know, I'm basically, I'm an open book now. I think disclosure is like the beginning of a recovery process, quite honestly. I think, you know, there's obviously needs to be some sobriety and some other initial groundwork before disclosure. But really, like disclosure is putting both people now on level playing field. It allows both of them to be aware of the same information. And now he has a chance to do the work of understanding his relationship to all these behaviors and understanding why he got into that why it maintained, why he stayed in secrecy and hiding and manipulation all these years. I mean, there's so much work to understand all of this. And so a lot of guys, if they view the disclosure as the finish line, then you're gonna see a major gap in terms of like, yeah, we did this, but I don't feel like we're progressing. Well, if he thinks that he crossed the finish line and you're still hoping for like more depth, because what then then that's not gonna happen because he's not doing the work that's gonna reconnect him and rebond him to Real people and real relationships and real connection. He's going to just basically probably still be acting in a lot of the same ways he was in his addiction, which is isolated, mismanaging emotions, probably having other addictions, you know, on screens or food or other kinds of work or other kinds of things. And so there's just going to be a lot of patterns that are still basically unhealthy that need to be confronted and addressed as part of a larger recovery effort. And then then the other thing that could be happening too is there may need to be some additional trauma work, some shame work, attachment work for him that oftentimes is, is work that happens later on in the process once there's been enough sobriety, enough time away from the addiction. So it's kind of like if you think of it sort of in stages, it's like if, if disclosure is, you know, initial recovery disclosure is sort of putting out the fire, then there needs to be a lot of cleanup in terms of just clearing the area. And that's a lot of the work around accountability, rebuilding trust, understanding how to, you know, stop patterns. But then this new house is rebuilt, right? Metaphorically speaking. And he needs to learn how to not start it on fire again. And that's a lot of the times going to be things like shame work, trauma work, attachment work, emotional management, you know, self-care. There's just a lot of things that he needs to look at, family of origin work, things like that really help him understand like, what were a lot of the things that were vulnerabilities or blind spots in me that made it so I would burn this thing down? And if he's not looking at that work, then getting back into a house with somebody like that is, is really risky. And so the recovery effort has to go way beyond disclosure. And if a guy's not doing that or not looking at that or not willing to do that, this is where she has to really have the confidence and clarity to expect that as part of rebuilding a, a really good marriage where she can say, yeah, I can grow, I can progress on my own. But if we're going to progress and grow together, where I really put my life back in your hands and I feel really secure with you again, I have to see you doing this additional work. And there are so many resources out there to do this work. There's workbooks, there's groups, there's therapy, there's, oh my gosh, there's so many great resources. There's no excuse not to dig into that stuff. There's people writing and, and producing great stuff out there that, you know, that if people are willing, they can just embrace it and do the work. So, Jeannie, does that clarify some of the things that might be going on? Does that help?
0: Yes, absolutely. And I think in my own situation, there's this component of abuse that really hasn't been addressed in the the Mm. rep. And so I feel like, at least for me right now, that's kind of where we need to go, is addressing the manipulation component. because. The sexually acting out has has ceased, but there are these layers of abuse that have happened, you know, in 32 years of marriage that now need to go back and we need to go back and address. And I absolutely finally, you know, making the connections that needs to happen. But this week in particular was particularly clarifying for me about this issue and kind of how to approach this and. At least for myself. Mm-hmm. And so it, yeah, that was helpful. But my thought has been at times, you know, there's more secrets he's not telling me. That's why our relationship's not progressing. There's more and, and giving him opportunities to be able to do that. But I just really feel like it's more of this piece of abuse that hasn't been, that wasn't addressed before the disclosure.
1: Right. Right. Well, Yeah. And I actually just did a several weeks ago, I met with Kim Day from Worth, you know, you guys know her. And Mm -hmm. we spent an hour and a half on my podcast, going through her little chart, her model that she came up with on, you know, that there's a lot of women that feel stuck because he's low on sexual acting out behaviors, but high on abusive attitudes. And Mm -hmm. how those guys can look like they're in recovery from the outside, you know, versus a guy that's high on sexual Acting out behaviors, but low on abusive attitudes. Well, right, like those are very different cases. They're very different. And so Kim really went through and talked about that. And so I'm excited to share that. And I think Kim's going to also share it on the Worth podcast as well, our interview. So it'll get some airtime. I think it's important, Janine, like what you're talking about is if there's this nagging sense that something's still not right, you have to look at those attitudes and those behaviors because. We have to get beyond looking at just the sexual acting out behaviors or the disclosure because that's oftentimes just one element of it or a symptom of a deeper belief system or issue that has to be confronted.
2: Yeah,
0: for sure. So, do you have workbooks then?
1: The Lifestar
0: Network, that's who I
1: wrote the workbooks for. So, if you live near a Lifestar program, you can get them through that. But there's also some workbooks you can just buy on Amazon. So, Dan Drake and Janice, A U D I L L. They've written three workbooks here, full disclosure, and then one for partners, preparing a partner, and then like a full disclosure-like document. just a whole workbook that helps you actually work through the actual document. And these are really thorough. These, I mean, they've done a great job with this and these are fairly recent. And so there's a lot of great disclosure resources out there to guide you through the process. And again, there's no reason just to do a, you know, an impromptu disclosure. Like <laughs> you really owe it to yourself to slow it down and get some good literature and some good support. And this is just one and the original full disclosure workbook. Oh, here it is, disclosing secrets. This is the kind of the original disclosure book from Deb Corley and Jennifer Schneider. This one's a little older, it's probably 20 years old. But this one, you know, has a lot of great information too. So there's just there's a lot of good workbooks out there. And of course, you know, I I wrote a process, co-authored a process for LifeStar. But these all have very similar stuff. It's all very much the same. Mari Lee, she's a therapist out of California. She has a whole packet she sells on her website for therapists to to walk them through how to structure a formal therapeutic disclosure. And so in my online course that I, I did, my trust building bootcamp, I reference her stuff and I tell the people, the participants in my program, I just say, look, if you're working with a therapist who doesn't understand how this is supposed to work buy that packet form and give it to him and say will you please learn how to do this i like you we have a good relationship i think you're a good therapist but you know you can't be trained on everything so here's this like can you please help me structure a disclosure and and mari's packet walks you through step by step it's very much something a therapist can implement and do to create safe boundaries and it has all the consent forms and the everything i mean it's it's she's completely made it like turnkey so you can just walk in and structure a disclosure so There's great resources out there to help facilitate this. So you don't have to just go, well, I guess we'll just talk about it. (laughs) That's a bad idea. We really want you to have the support and have it be a productive healing experience instead of a traumatic one. Because it's going to be hard no matter what. It's traumatic, but to be devastating and chaotic and just so destructive, not necessary. No matter where you live, there are resources online and workbooks and other things you can do to even get as close to a good experience as you possibly can. You just want to put in that work. It's worth it.
0: Super helpful. Thank you for sharing those resources. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that is. And hopefully anybody who's listening who has had any of these questions or have had problems with asking for a full disclosure, hopefully this has been helpful and they've got some resources and we'll look up Mari Lee and all those others and link them in the show notes. And do you have anything else, Jeff, that you want to share with our listeners today and tell us where they can find you and find your website just for any further information?
1: Yeah, no, thanks, ladies. I I just, I really do. I respect both of you tremendously for asking these questions, for obviously doing your own work and asking hard qu- just looking this square in the face. Like, I know that your willingness to do that is giving a lot of courage and permission to a lot of people, a lot of women who are listening, who maybe don't believe that they can do this or even know where to start. So it's a sacred honor to be here with you talking about this stuff. It's impacting your lives very directly and the lives of so many women. And so, yeah, thank you for having me on. As far as where to find me, you can just find me on social media, my main website was probably the easiest place to find me because that had a link to all my social media and my podcast and my online programs and everything that I'm doing is, is just my name, Jeffstewer.com, which is impossible to spell. So I came up with lovingmarriage.com because everybody can spell lovingmarriage.com. So I need to thank my parents for giving me the most difficult name on the planet to spell. So you can just go to lovingmarriage.com and it always forwards right to my website, jeffsteward.com. And feel free to reach out if you, any of you listening, if you have a question or need a resource, I work really hard to be responsive and supportive and so happy to to be a resource. Obviously, if it's like a really complicated, long question that needs a therapy session, we'll ha- I guess we can have that discussion. But in terms of just resources or anything like that, or ideas or just anything, I just know how isolating and hard this is for a lot of people. And we're all in this together. So I'm happy to be a support any way I can.
0: And you are. Yeah. And I, I am a testament of that because I reached out to you two years ago and you responded right away and helped connect me to a therapist. So I really appreciate that. And that was that was really helpful. So you are very responsive.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. I'm glad to hear that. I wouldn't have recognized your name.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, because I was just an email, you know, <laughs> interesting you know, that our paths would cross again. Like I never would have would have imagined that the resource that you are and the training that you have done for me and helping me understand addiction through your UCAP videos and your podcast been just so helpful to us as women. We have really appreciated you and the supportive person that you are in helping us deal with this issue. So thank you. We just thank you.
1: Well, I'm, I'm just so thrilled to hear this because, well, you know how it is running a podcast or speaking or writing stuff. You put this stuff out there and you sort of release it to the wild. And oftentimes there's no feedback, right? At least immediately. And you just don't know whether it's helping or not. Sometimes you get feedback if everybody claps at the end of a presentation. But you know, this is soul work. I mean, it's critical information and you just hope it's helping people. So I'm just really just so thrilled to hear that this is having an effect and having an impact. It definitely motivates me to keep going and keep producing and keep supporting because I, I definitely want to be part of the solution. So
0: well, please do both Naomi and I have been listeners to your podcast and we
2: just <laughs> Yeah, it's been helpful. And I've shared it with my family who like they don't they don't have, at least to my knowledge, have addictions, you know, but, but I think it's just helpful for everybody to understand, to have a perspective to glean from so that they could maybe totally. understand my situation better, you know. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. I agree. I think we see a lot of people come to the, to the conferences, to UCAP conferences, you know, who finally just are like, I probably ought to learn something about this. And then they become such a resource. You know, we talk about advocates for, for all these minorities and other groups that struggle or that are marginalized. And, and I think being an advocate and understanding people that struggle with addictions is, is so important. And so, yeah, I think people that are willing to listen to these things, boy, there's such a resource, there's such a, an oasis in the desert, right? Somebody who gets it, it's just so nice. So I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that others are, are accessing this
0: stuff. It is so refreshing to feel validated. Yes, exactly so, oh, so much for your time. We really are. Yes, thank it's a you. Privilege. It's a
1: privilege. Thank you for having me on and for your trust. And again, let me know what else you need from me. I'm happy to be a support.
2: Thank you. Right. Thank you. And that concludes our episode with Jeff Stewart. And again, we are just so grateful that he was able to and willing to give of his time to come on here and to share some of his knowledge and information with us. We certainly could have talked much longer than the hour that we did, and however, we will probably have him back on at another time on a different subject. So again, we are just so thankful for Jeff and for all of the work that he does in this area, and we hope that you have found something that enlightened your mind or given you some new perspectives to think about, some ideas, and helped you to move forward in your path of healing and recovery. So thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.
1: Once again, it was a real honor to be featured as a guest on The Worth Podcast. And I just thank both Janine and Naomi for their trust and their confidence and having me on as a guest. It was great. And I'm just glad that I could be a resource and hopefully share some good information that will help you as you move forward in your journeys. Continue tuning into The Illuminate Podcast. I have some fantastic guests coming up. I'm excited to share with you. Thank you for your support. Always please leave a review and a rating. Makes such a huge difference for people who are looking for this information. We want to make sure as many people get the help that they need as possible. Have a great day. And I look forward to connecting with you in the next episode.